Hello. Hello. Welcome to Mostly Hairless Apes, a little musical intro today. Uh, this is season one, episode 10, I believe. I'm recording on February 21st, 22nd, excuse me. It's a Thursday. I'm Dr. Gene Mesco, a fellow Mostly Hairless Ape here in the Church of Science. I'm sitting in the balcony today, taking in the big view, because I want to ask the big question. That's the big, that's the idea I've hit recently. Just trying to sort out life again, looking at evolution as our main mechanism in science. And I realized the really big question that anybody needs to ask is, are you civilized or not? <laughs> are you civilized? And that's, I went off on a rant a little while ago, and I realized civilization is different than society. And that's the critical thing with consciousness. Uh, people study societies. We tend to look at social systems and we have sociobiology. We have social organisms other than humans. We have wildebeest and ants and all sorts of things. We have eusociality and all these other different things that are out there with animals and animals combined. And as long as we're dealing with it biologically, that makes a lot of sense because evolution works. Evolution selects for what's efficient, what works in terms of staying alive and keeping the species together. And humans have been trying to do that, but we've added this extra layer of civilization. And civilization is what we do with our consciousness. And I think that's the, the, the basic standard is thinking. And that's the really critical thing we can use to move forward and reorganize ourselves. And maybe build a functional global civilization as opposed to the fuster cluck we have right now. Because we do have a real mess on our hands. We've got almost 200 countries, dozens and dozens of international corporations, global economic systems. We have different belief systems. Well, I would think the big question, though, is are you civilized? And if you're civilized, and, the, and most people, I think, would answer yes. They'd say, of course I'm civilized. But what does that mean? And this is where it gets tricky because civilization is built off of human consciousness. We have to be able to think about stuff. Because we would react socially just because we, we would. We have family. We coo at infants. We take care of our elders. And other animals do that too. We have these family systems which extend into big clans, which extend to bigger tribes. But tribes start to get into civilizations because ultimately you have to have some idea of what's going on. And that's what consciousness does. It generates ideas. So humans have this marvelous adaptation that we call consciousness. Consciousness gives us an idea. We ask questions. We can find answers. And we can all agree on something. And that's what holds a group together, actually. We've gone down that road before that saying that belief is really important because no one has all the answers. And so that's why we've evolved belief systems. Because we have to accept something. We all have to agree. Somebody should be in charge and why they should be in charge. When it's social animals, like wildebeest or anybody else, there are, sometimes there's adaptations for things like chemical signals and pheromones. Ants and bees use a lot of those. Uh, other animals do as well. They also use physical force. They beat each other up. 
uh, talk about the alpha male or the alpha female and the pecking order. We have a lot of social interaction that's just physical. And that's part of the wonderful sexism that we have in a lot of societies. When it comes down to it, biologically, men are expendable. And I think that leads us into sports and a whole bunch of other stuff, war. But, but biologically, males are expendable. And so and when you look at social animals and you think about males and females and societies, the idea is we've got to keep the species going, so we've got to make babies. So we make a distinction between males and females, and we get caught up in that. And we've used that to build our societies. But we also have these things we call civilizations, and I think civilizations elevate beyond society. We have to think. And if you're thinking with your brain, you're using mental information that's derived from ideas as opposed to just natural instinct then we can start building a civilization and that's where we are right now globally because i think one of the biggest civilization questions is who belongs who is in your group who's in the group who's out of the group that's the idea here and and when we talk about who's out of the group then we can say why are they out of the group? What are they different about? What do they do differently? And they might look different, they might sound different, but usually it's because they didn't accept the rules that we have, because that's what civilizations do. They make rules and they form governments. And once we have governments, we can sort things out. Then the rules can define how, we gonna, how we're gonna have markets, how we're gonna have an economy, how we're gonna trade goods and services. And then and all that goes back to the big question of why are you civilized? What is it about your system that makes it work? Here in America, speaking as an American, I love the, the, the lead-in that we get on our founding documents where we, we want life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I think those are pretty great goals to have, to control my own life, have the freedom to do what I want. But to do that, I need resources, so I need a good economy. Uh, I've got to operate in the rules where I don't mess with anybody else, and they don't mess with me, and that works. And that, if that's what you believe, that that's only that's, there's going to be limits to that. There's always limits. That's that's the problem we have with unlimited freedom. People yell about freedom a lot lately in American civilizations, and we say, "Well, I, I should be able to do that. I should do whatever I want." And obviously, people disagree about what should be allowed. But we all acknowledge at least that there should be some limits, and because there should be limits. The only thing we can discuss then is what are the limits? Why should we have limits? And that brings us back to the Church of Science as our favorite belief system. Because if we believe in science, if we accept that there are natural boundaries, there are limitations or physics defined by physics and chemistry and biology and science and engineering and architecture, and we put all these things together, we realize we can only do so much so fast. But we can't fix problems. That's why we have civilizations. We are stronger together. We're better as a group. It's strength in numbers. And that's something we figured out a long time ago. And that's, and that's just a biological mechanism. That's why there's so many social species. It's because having a bigger population, having more bodies to work with, can, can make the job easier. And we figured out how to do specializations and grow all these civilizations. And, and it's worked out. Uh, up to the point where we bump into each other and then civilizations bump into each other and we have conflicts 
and we've had long histories of conflicts. People have been disagreeing with each other for a long time. And we talk about different parts of the world, and we have different nations and different religions. And we've actually moved pretty well to a, to one economy, though. We pretty much have a global economy, which is why we need a global civilization. Because an economy is just part of a civilization. You have to have rules, too. Because an economy is just how we trade goods and services. And the dominant economy that we've used for the last 500 years, I think, can be defined as part of colonialism. That's really the era we've been in on Earth, is that about 500 years ago, all these revolutions started in Europe, and they gave us colonialism, and they took over the planet. And that all blew up last century. And then we argued about markets and capitalism and communism and different governments. And we ended up pretty much with democracy and capitalism along with all those belief systems. But now, here's where I'm going to go off the rails, I guess. Because if we're going to have a belief system, if we're going to have a global civilization, we all have to accept certain ideas. And we also, one of those ideas has to be that we don't have all the information. We don't have all the answers. That's why we invented religions. That's why humans have religions. And it's probably why people came up with science. And that's the fundamental distinction. There's going to be a zero and a one on the scale here. When we look, try to measure this variable and put it on an axis and graph it, there's really only two options to begin with. And they're going to be either you believe in magic and that specifically that there are specific gods out there that can actually interfere in our lives, that can step in and change the rules about how the world works. And they can do magic because they're gods and that's how it works. And uh, I believe it was Heinlein or maybe Bradbury, somebody in the science fiction genres said, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So there's probably somebody out there in the universe who can do things that if we saw it, we'd go, wow, that's magic. And then if they explained it to us and showed us that, oh, no, this is how we manipulate quarks and leptons or whatever it is the physicists play with, we would go, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because there have to be rules. That's what science says. And science is the best belief system we have right now. I think because it says we don't know the answers, but we're going to make one critical assumption. This is what we believe in the Church of Science, that there is only one way to operate. The best way to operate is to assume you don't know everything and ask good questions, and then accept only what you have evidence for. And then we can build from that evidence rules about understanding, rules to understand how the world works. And we can learn about physics and chemistry and biology, and we can talk about evolution and ecology. And we can look at all those things, and we can take them into the social sciences. We can do science there too. We can do markets and economics and political science and history and, and all of those things. And if we did that, we could probably build a much better world. And that's what, that's what we all want, isn't it? And we want a much better world. How do you build that society? Well, you say, let's use science. And if anybody comes to the table to try to discuss something, somebody comes into the political arena, and they say, we should do something. We should, we should do something this way, or we should do something that way. And you ask them, why should we do it that way? 
And they say, if, if ultimately, if they get to the explanation that says, because this or that God said so, then we should take those people by the hand and lead them to the children's table and say, it's really nice that you believe in magic. Why don't you sit over here with the other miners and let the adults talk and who want to come up with a serious answer? Because if they tell us we should pray about something or we should do a certain ritual, unless they have some evidence that any of that works, we should just say that's very nice. We're really glad that you have that belief system, but you're not a member of the Church of Science. You don't accept evidence as the, the best way to go about making decisions. And we accept the fact that we don't have all the answers, but we have some really good answers. Like right now, you know, there's climate change going on. It, the evidence is pretty strong. There's lots of data that says, wow, all the stuff we've been pumping into the environment for the last few hundred years is altering weather patterns. And the climate is changing. How is it going to change? Well, we have models for that. Very few of them <laughs> predict anything better. Most of them predict a period of instability. And that's the worst thing for a society, especially for a civilization. For a civilization to persist, we have to have rules. We need constants. And ultimately, constants depend on where we live. What are the patterns of life in whatever places we live? What are the, how does the tide work? How does the sun and moon work? How does, how does the weather pattern work? How do the seasons change? When do the rains come? All of those things. When do the animals migrate? We've made a living picking up those patterns, figuring out those patterns. Because that's what science has been doing for thousands of years. We didn't call it science. But the first people who domesticated animals and domesticated crops and started growing stuff, started building markets and making technology, they were using science, at least the basic mechanisms of it. We could go back to Francis Bacon and talk about the scientific revolution and the scientific method as the more formalized form. That's when the church really came together. And we could talk about all the scientists who've worked since then, but uh, going back for thousands of years, we've had people who did science. They used their brain and they looked at the world and they said, hey, here's a pattern. Here's how something works. Here's a stable system. And we threw out ideas and ideas have been brought up and discarded and other ideas have taken their place. And we still don't know exactly what gravity is. We all have a pretty good idea that stuff falls down. But Newton defined it one way, and Einstein defined it another way. And it's, they both are useful descriptions, and they're part of the theories that we use to operate in the real world. And our gra theories of gravity are good enough that we can send spaceships out of our solar system into other planets, into Mars, into the moon. And, we, and we've been doing that for decades now. And we can live in space and we can live under the ocean because we understand science and we can do these things. And that's a beautiful thing, I think. And that's why I'm a member of the Church of Science. And, but I think I want to extend that and turn us into a global civilization that it would really be a theocracy. It, with your, with, and I use that term loosely because if science is our belief system, is it really a religion? I don't know. I think if it's a religion, you have to have a God. And that's the thing about science. That's the zero. We say 
No, we don't know that there's a God. There may very well be gods out there. There may be other races of intelligent beings who are going to show up and eat our lunch. They're going to, they are so amazingly ahead of us technologically. Who knows what they've come up with? But it's still got to be, but they still have to work on consistent rules. That's the only way the universe can work. So if the universe works by consistent rules and we want our civilization to understand that, to build from that basics, we, we need to all become members of the Church of Science. And if we did that, and we all became professional something, and we all appreciated that the experts in a given field were the best sources of information, and we built that up as our social standard for civilization, as our ethical standard, if we're civilized humans... We respect professionals who can do the job for a given area. And if you're civilized, you understand that. You accept that as part of the game, that we're all in. And we also accept that we're all one species, because what biology, what natural science tells us, is that we're all homo sapiens. We're all members of the same species, and because we're members of the same species, we're stronger together. We need to do away with our petty differences and make a global government that says, hey, everybody's human, and here's what we should do for our government. We should say we want to optimize the potential of every human. And when we optimize the potential of every human and we tell them, hey, you should have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, how are they going to do that? Well, they should have access to resources, and they should we should optimize their development, which means we should standardize healthcare and we should standardize education and just say, here's the opportunities available. You should stay healthy, you should grow up and then figure out how to solve a problem because that's what the professionals do. The professionals solve problems. If you're a professional scientist, you figure out something about how the world works. If you're a professional artist, you figure out how to make something beautiful. And Bottom line is, I really can't think of anything in my life that I that I want that's not useful or beautiful. And that's what science and art do. And those should be the key professions. Obviously, lots of subdivisions in each. But how do we figure out how things work? How do we improve on them and make them more beautiful? So, so we can enjoy life. That's pursuit of happiness right there. And But I need the liberty to do that, which means I should have optimized development. I shouldn't have to worry about it food or housing or shelter or clothing. So we should get all the basics done. How do we do that? Well, we, we have an economy. We distribute resources. And that's where we're pathological right now. Because assuming we all have the same belief system, and we're all going to accept science as our belief system and say, hey, let's work on the evidence. And the evidence right now says billions, literally billions of people are starving. Billions of people don't have access to education don't have access to good health care, don't have access to clean water and food and resources. And that's pretty sick. That's the bottom line. And people will say, well, that's always how it's been. We're trying to change things here. How should it be? That's the question we want to ask. What kind of civilization do we want? And if we build it off science, we start from the source and say, well, let's get everybody up to this baseline. Let's get everybody to a level playing field, which means you have access to education, you have access to health care, you have access to nutrition, you have access to housing, and everybody can do at least a minimal of that. 
where are we going to get all the money for that? That's what everybody's going to ask. How are we going to pay for that? Well, we'll look at the rules we make, and we'll look at the economy we have. Well, the two adaptations that we've built up over thousands of years and have fought about and killed each other over or for, besides all that religion stuff, well, that's why we're getting rid of religion, is you can't settle any religious arguments because you can't prove anything because it's all belief. And all we're doing with science is saying, hey, just believe that we don't know. And then you can just talk about what are the better rules? What, and religion's given us a lot of good rules. Don't steal, don't kill anybody. But there's always rules about your group. It's only that religion. You know, if you're a Catholic or a Christian, you don't kill other Christians unless they do something to make you think they're unbelievers, they're heretics. Uh, those scoundrels should be killed off. Uh, or we want some of their land. That, that's just economics. Or we decide, you know, they're, they're doing something nasty and we want to take them out. And we fought each other for years. We fought about who should be in charge. But we've mostly agreed, if you ask most of the people on the planet, they say they would say they'd want democracy. They'd rather be in charge of their own life and have a say in how the government works. And most people want capitalism. Well, the problem is capitalism works better than democracy. Democracy is messy. Democracy is based on talking about ideas. And the only way you can make good rules with democracy is have the time to think about stuff. Which means, if we're going to build our civilization based on science and use democracy as our government, then the one thing we have to do is figure out the economy. We have to figure out how to distribute resources. How do we distribute resources so that everybody has access to the basic necessary things in life? And once we have those basic necessary things in life, then... We, we can go about solving problems and making things beautiful. And so how do we do that? Well, there's a really simple way to do it. And evolution gives us a huge clue. There's this process in evolution called runaway selection. Natural selection is what gives us DNA mutations and changes in anatomy and physiology. Artificial selection is, gives us what we think about. That's how we build our civilizations. That's, that's consciousness. And so if we're going to think about this stuff and we're going to think about the economy, how do we distribute resources? Well, we start at the top and we take the, the resources that have been accumulated at the, by the most individuals that are the most concentrated, because that's the best way to work from something is where you have the most of it. So you start at the top and you say, who's got the most resources? Who's, who's tucked away the most resources on the planet? Who's, who's got control of that? Uh, the Arab sheiks in charge of the oil industry, the billionaires all over the planet, the royals in different areas. A lot of that is the residue of colonialism, that those individuals have been using their national states and their armies and their resources that they found under their land. And they've been trading those and they've been piling up resources because... Everybody wants resources. That's a natural thing. We all want that. We're all a little greedy. It makes sense to want more stuff. But then the problem becomes when it becomes so unequal that literally billions of people are starving. And billions of people don't have resources. And, and because we want to be human, we want everybody to have optimal development. We'd like to maximize the growth and survival of our species. Because that's what our civilization should do at its very basic level. We acknowledge that we're all human and we should make, make sure that life is functional for as many people as possible. We should start taking resources from the top of the pile.
And just to start this for fun, let's pick a number. Ten million. I like ten million dollars. Why does anybody need more than ten million dollars? Anybody who has got more than ten million dollars needs to step up to the microphone and explain to the world what it is that makes them so freaking amazing that other people should be starving or living or having diseases or dying from mal you know, from exposure or fighting over something. Tell us why that's going on. Tell us why you can ethically say you should have more than $10 million. And we'll leave you alone. The rest of us who don't have $10 million. Because if you draw the line at $10 million, you're talking 99% of the people are below that line. At, at least. It's probably more than that. But less than 1% controls a huge amount of resources on the planet. One out of every hundred of us. And that, and that doesn't work for democracy. If democracy, because that's the fundamental question. Is democracy in charge of capitalism? Or is capitalism in charge of democracy? Because if capitalism in is in charge, we really don't have a democracy. Because if the rules are different for rich people, if the people who are so much money, have so many resources that they can change the rules, that they can warp the system, the civilization to bend the rules to their favor, then they're different. They're not members of our civilization. They're their own civilization. They've got access to resources. And the rest of us have to say, do we want that? Do we accept that? Do we let them to continue doing the things that they're doing where we're wasting resources, killing each other and fighting over things and using up resources? Or do we say, hey, we'll leave you with $10 million. The rest of it goes into a pot. The rest of it goes into this government pot that we funnel it through the UN, we have our world government, it's crappy, it's inefficient, I know, that's democracy at work. We're going to argue about it. But if we could all agree on one basic thing, which is that, hey, let's build schools and roads and sanitation systems and hospitals all over the planet. Let's, let's stabilize the ecosystem. Let's stabilize climate change. Let's do all that first and put everybody to work. Yeah, no more welfare. It wouldn't be welfare. Either you do something useful or the government will say, hey, here, we'll keep you up to a basic level. We'll give you food and clothing and you'll do this job because it needs to be done. Unless you can show us that you're better at some other job and that you'll go to school and have an opportunity to say, what would you like to do? What, what problem would you like to solve? What thing would you like to make beautiful? Uh, or if you want to manage it, we need managers too and we'll have intermediate people, yes. And that'll be the bureaucrats. But they should be below the artists and the scientists. Runaway Selection has said, oh, the people who manage the money make the most money, oddly enough. And if we just step back and say, well, wait a minute, we don't want the economy to run our system. We don't want the dependency on resources to be our, our critical limiting variable. Let's get everybody up to the point where we have an excess. Then we can be, then we truly have liberty. Then we truly have freedom. Then we can truly pursue happiness from a stable, beautiful planet that we all share. And then we can decide what to do next. And the people who have $10 million that they've maxed out will tell us, oh, this is what they have. Yeah, we can do this. But you know what? That's all you need. I can't think of an ethical reason why anybody needs more than $10 million. And if people disagree with us, they need to tell us. And if not, sorry, we're going to tax you. That's just one possible solution 
to the big question of, are you civilized? And do we want to have a civilized planet? Uh, this is Dr. Gene Mesco signing off from the Church of Science, a fellow mostly hairless ape. I will talk to you again soon.